my partner and I were, were standing on the balcony watching. That was the, the moment that she started crying when we, we watched that spire fall down. And I heard someone on MSNBC uh, saying, oh, my gosh, the spire just fell into the church. And I gasped myself. Uh, watching Notre Dame burn was just uh, a tragic and historic moment. And many people will always remember where they were when they heard that that cathedral of Notre Dame was on fire. Glenn Corbett is our guest now. He's associate professor of fire science at John Jay College in New York. York. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks for having me. A lot of people were watching Notre Dame burn and wondering why it took so long to get the water on that fire. Can you explain what happens when fire crews arrive at the scene of a major fire like this and what could account for what onlookers felt was an agonizing delay? Right. So we, you know, one of the first things, we don't know when the fire was actually called in, uh, who actually made the first call yet. I'm sure the investigation will will, uh, put, you know, put that out as far as how long it took the call. Uh, you know, this is a challenging situation for the fire department. You know, Notre Dame is, is on an island. Uh, and, of course, apparently they had to bring uh, apparatus from, from other areas across those bridges onto the island. And, of course, once they got there, most, uh, the most challenging thing was the fire was, was 200 feet above their heads with no easy access to get up there. So, you know, that set a combination of situ- uh, that situation, that combination of issues, uh, sort of allowed this to sort of spread very quickly. Unfortunately... Uh, out uh, well out of reach of typical host streams from the ground and things like that. Does it shock you that, you know, Notre Dame has stood for 850 years, didn't have a fire plan, you know, an emergency plan? We've got these hoses, and this is how we get it out of the scent, the water? It, yeah, I guess, you know, it, it is you know it is shocking that they didn't, uh, from my perspective, perhaps spend a little more time on watching the uh, construction work going on there, because we do know from history uh, there's been many churches, houses of worship that have been uh, destroyed because of renovation work, ironically. Things to improve the building actually destroy the building. So that was a little shocking to me that uh, that such a large, iconic building like that didn't have, uh, apparently, didn't have a much more vigilant uh, fire safety watch. It's one of the most world's famous, uh, you know, landmarks. It survived a revolution, a few wars, and unbeknownst right. to tourists and Parisians, as you say, this week it may have been at one of its most vulnerable stages in history. Talk about why that renovation work is so detrimental, although they're trying to save old buildings. Right. So, I mean, the, the situation here is that, you're doing work, of course, up at roof level, as we see. They have to uh, create all that scaffolding to work off the uh, work above the building. Uh, when you're doing work uh, we on a building like this, we understand that there was quite a bit of lead, uh, may have been sheeting up in the roof level. Uh, there's some torches involved with that. And uh, anytime you introduce uh, open flames or torches, things like that, you always run the risk of having a major fire, particularly when the entire roof structure, the actual uh, structure that supports what we see on the outside of the building, on the inside of the building, hidden away is this mass, these massive wooden oak beams and columns of things that are supporting the entire uh, roof of the building. The roof collapse, though dramatic to watch, may have actually been helpful when it comes to firefighters saving that structure. Why is that? Yeah, you know, watching it yesterday, um, most of us saw the, the roof collapse and the spire go down. The fact is, once that roof actually uh, did collapse, it fell down the floor level, or at least most of it fell to floor level, which removed, the, uh, to some extent, removed uh, a significant problem they had with the bell towers. They had firefighters uh, attempting to deal with that situation. So, you know, before the roof collapsed, these firefighters had to deal with large chunks of wood embers that are flying into the, into the uh, bell towers, as well as the enormous radiant heat, 
which is the type of heat you feel in front of a fireplace. So they were having to deal with that. And once that roof collapsed, it actually sort of moved that situation away from them and probably saved the, the two belt belts. And so what do they do then? Do they just focus on getting uh, as much water on the stone structure that is still standing? Is that how they yeah. are dealing with it? Yeah, I mean, they, I'm sure they were trying to get water down onto the main body of fire, which, of course, then was at floor level and things. Um, you know, and again, the fact is 200 feet in the air, this is a very difficult uh, situation to get water up there. I mean, it's not built that way. Ironically, high-rise buildings, regular new high-rise buildings, at least have stairs and standpipe prizes in them. This didn't have anything like that. So you have the same situation, but without the, the, the ability to really put water quickly on the fire. So the fire's been extinguished after almost 15 years of ba- uh, 15 hours rather of battling it and investigations underway with the restoration workers being interviewed in Paris uh, starting today. Walk us through how authorities then begin to determine if the structure of Notre Dame is indeed uh, intact and safe. Right. So there'll be a couple inquiries here. There'll be the inquiry on how the fire started and how it spread and those kind of things. And that'll probably rely very heavily on witness accounts and hopefully surveillance video to see exactly what area it started in and how it started. As far as the ongoing, uh, you know, situation with structural stability of, those, of the buildings, I suspect what they'll do is probably bring a team of structural engineers. Uh, at this point, they'd probably be best to actually send some drones inside the building to take a closer look at what damage was done, and then they can decide what they're going to do as far as stabilization goes, because I suspect they're going to want to use these uh, existing exterior walls, albeit damaged walls, uh, in the recreation of the building and, and putting a new roof on it. Yeah, Glenn, do you have any experience with stone like this? I believe it was made out of limestone. I could be wrong, but uh, w- what happens to stone when it's heated like that? Well, you know, limestone, ironically, is is not... When you when you sort of rank stone, you know, from top to bottom, uh, limestone is at the sort of the bottom end of the scale. It's really not flammable in that sense, but it is very vulnerable to heat attack. Uh, I know, for example, in New Jersey, where I live, there was a city hall in 1902 uh, involved in a major conflagration in Patterson, New Jersey, and its walls were also limestone. Uh, they did have to replace some of it, uh, quite a bit of it. And, and again, we'll have to find out what happened here. We don't know how much damage actually was done. So that structural analysis by structural engineers looking at how that limestone performed is going to be really important in the next few weeks. Glenn, I want to thank you for your time. Thanks so much for being here today. No problem. Thank you so much. Cheers. I love anybody from Jersey. I don't know. I've got a soft spot for New Yorkers. Uh, Glenn Corbett, Associate Professor of Fire Science at John Jay College in New York City.